Part two of the March of Machines. Spoilers, what it do? Up on Eternal Turtles. Be strong. Be strong. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dribbles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Phil Blackman. Phil, how's it going, man? Dude, what's up, dude? I'm ready to talk about Omen Hawker more. Yeah, man, let's talk about... Yeah, we got a lot of cards to talk about. Uh, we already had one episode, uh, which you can find around here somewhere, uh, for the March of the Machine spoilers. Uh, we like to do one early, and then we do one uh, after the set is, is fully dropped, that we get everything. And uh, then uh, I will probably also... Uh, Combine those into one episode that you can just watch all the way through as well. Uh, excuse the wardrobe changes that will happen during that episode. <laughs> wow. uh, but yeah, uh, March of the Machine spoilers. We got a lot. We got a lot to talk about. Before we talk about the March of the Machine spoilers, I just wanted to let everybody uh, let everybody know that the uh, the prize winners. Uh, you guys are getting all your stuff from the last time we did comments, so that's going out. Uh, we got still have. We still have some cards to go out, so um, I don't know. What do you think, Phil? What uh, what should be the what should be the uh, the, the thing to guess uh, in this one? Uh, what card sees the most play in, uh, after the week of release? I have my guess. What's the What's the first card to show up in a legacy in a a, a premier event top eight? All right, yeah. Set. So uh, the winner uh, the winner will be the first person that posts uh, the first card that shows up in a Legacy top eight in a premier event. Uh, main you know, deck, that, main deck, main deck, main deck, of course. Uh, so comment that below. Uh, we'll get those out to you. And I've got four, so uh, I've got four left. And I really just want to, I just want to get rid of these guys. So comment below. Uh, I, I'm probably going to just give out some extra ones because I just, I just want to be done with this. I, I just want to move on to a new thing to get to do giveaways with. So comment below what you think that that is. I know my my personal uh, guess is on this, uh, but do you have a guess, Phil? Omen Hawker. Oh, you think it's Omen Hawker? <laughs> Omen Hawker over here. I think it's Omen uh, Hawker, bro. Yeah, well, let's talk about. You know what, Phil? Let's let's talk about Omen Hawker then. Uh, Omen Hawker is a one mana Cephalid Advisor. It's a one one, and it says tap at a colorless and a blue. Spend this mana only to activate abilities. What do you think? What what what's going on in that mind of yours, Phil? So this is it's it's Magus of the Thran Turbine, and I think we talked about it before. But the reason that I'm the the one clause that it doesn't have on it is Thran Turbine only lets you use it puts the mana in your upkeep. Mm -hmm. So if you don't use the mana on some ability in your upkeep, you're, it'll empty from your pool before you hit your draw step. Yeah. So the, it, it, there's an extra restriction of the timing, and it's two colorless mana, not a colorless and a blue. So I don't know where the the blue color will matter just yet, but this one not having like you can be able to do this at any time, including during your opponent's turn or your main phase or whatever, opens up the possibilities of like where just playing Soul Ring matters. Like, yeah. it, it, like just look at it this way: remove the spend the mana only to cast activated abilities. I get that's a huge drawback not being able to cast spells with this, but without that line of text, this is just Magus of the Soul Ring. And I refuse to believe in the spoiler in, in in the times of spoilers before we really experimented that Magus of the of the tangential soul ring isn't the most playable card in the set. Yeah, it's, I, 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 it's cheap. It does it does a lot of things that work with a bunch of cards that already exist in the format. Whether it's where uh, would we like, see this? You, that's that's what people want to know. Where would we see think, this card at? 
literally like oh i i think the the premier cards in the format right now are ancient tomb and urza saga it works really cleanly with urza saga it's just a yep. cheap way to, to to get that online plus any of the stuff that you would get off of your urza saga it also will work with all of those abilities this helps you equip uh equipment this uh i i think that the 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 bar for this card like the floor for this card is so low because it's just it's a it's blue and it's a one mana one mana creature it i I see a lot of potential upside for this thing, and I want to try it out in, uh, like, um, if you were to put this in, like, that eight-cast sort of build, I'm not sure exactly where the space would be, but it works with the Urza Saga. It also lets you uh, activate your Psy a lot more aggressively, because it yes. just pays for size one in a blue activated ability than sacked artifacts. So imagine if, you, you know, it's like, I don't know, is there a world where you can get in sort of, like, this cheap, disruptive artifact build with, like, this and... Um, What's the Vidalcan that essentially when you have Metalcraft ports a thing? I don't know off the top of my head, but we'll we'll pop it over here. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> there he is. So th there, there's another uh, card. Yeah, so it's the, it's a, a another, I think it's a set uh, of a Dalkin, but it effectively, when you have Metalcraft, it says tap target artifact creature or land. So I think it's artifact creature or land. I'll look it up. But the, that like having eight one drops that work with like, that sort of shell of being like maybe this disruptive artifact based deck as opposed to like the artifact card draw like volume based deck i don't know i i think that, that maybe there's there's some space here i i think well i i, I can tell you I, right now rambling, if, but, if i were to include this in my deck the spot that i would put it in phil um would would just be remove the chalices because obviously it doesn't work well with the chalices so that that would be the that, that would be my first at first blush that'd be my guess the other thing is that like if you were to play this in your painter deck, this does just set up turn two painter, right? You can go turn one ancient tomb painter, Ooh. turn two. Okay. Oh no, no, you would need you need to play this first because it's a tap ability. So you go turn one omen hawker off of your land so that you have one mana painter servant two plus no, you're one mana short, so you need a pedal. No, you, what you need is an ancient tomb. <laughs> well, if you right? go, if you go, let's say you go. Blue oh, you need an ancient tomb and a pedal. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You would You're need right. then five mana. This generates still two mana, like so there's so many times where uh you know Delver Secrets decks are uh wastelanding away your land so that you're not able to activate. This gets around wasteland, you know. Like uh if if you're a blue painter deck, this is this is a this is a possible include. I I, I kind of like where you're going with this. I just um, think that like the, uh, the the optionality of being able to also use this as a way to like you know, turbo your currency converters or turbo your retrofitter foundries is a mean, like th those types of, I get that that like it, it's cheap and incidental stuff and it's not necessarily as impactful as like, you know, for how fast the format is right now, but yeah. it, it does a lot of subtle work that I don't think anybody's really tapped into yet, but this ability just is it, it, a one mana, add two mana to your mana pool without like timing restriction is just pretty nutty to me. Yeah. Uh, well, whether or not it's going to show up depends on what it can turn on, but I'm I'm pretty high on it. Yeah. Well, my, yeah, it's, my pick, pick, it's my pick for most playable card in the set. Your your sure. pick is is uh Omen Hawker. My pick for most playable card in this in, in this format. And I think I think I'm gonna beat you. Uh in fact, post in the comments if you think I'll beat Phil on this one, uh or or Phil will beat me, is Kenra Spellspear. Uh Kenra Spellspear is is that warrior jackal that we were that we were trying to figure out about is a two mana that's one to red. For a two-two with trample and prowess, I think that alone, the trample on this is 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 enough that like 
I wouldn't say like this is an auto include in Delver, but like it makes it playable by itself. But if you flip it uh, by paying three and a blue Phyrexian mana, it becomes a ridiculous uh, Gitaxian spell spell stalker, and it's got Trample Ward two and double prowess. So every time you're bolting, this is getting plus two plus two. You're brainstorming plus two plus two. Your opponent can't even bolt it effectively because it's got Ward two to begin with, and any spell you cast stops it from being bolted. Like immediately, just like puts uh, gives you the. Uh, uh, puts it out of bolt range. I think that this is one of those cards that like is sneakily like probably one of the best one of the best two drops that that uh, Delver will have access to going forward. In, in my opinion, I, ju- I just think th- a, a three mana gate is so steep. It is that, steep. That, that's, but... where, that's where I'm like three mana is more expensive than every other spell on their deck, which yeah. is why like I, I you know. But I mean, I could do a, that, like... I could do a. This is not as good as this for this. Uh, and and if if we lose Merktide in 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 the future, anytime in the future, I see this as being the immediate replacement for for this card. I think that the tough part of this thing, if if Ward interacted similar to Hexproof, right? Because Ward says when it, it it's a trigger when you when it's targeted. So if somebody targets this, you can't like transform it to then get the Ward triggered. This is true. Where, yeah. Whereas, like, if you if it had like hexproof or shroud, if you flipped it, it would fizzle the spell targeting it. Yeah. So you you can't defensively use the um the transform ability unless you're looking to like increase its power by one, and then if you have an additional spell on top of that to like get yeah. it to like five toughness or something. Um. Whereas, like, if you were to cast a spell and get it to three toughness, that's not going to clear a bolt. But if you can transform it and act and cast something, then it gets it out of bolt range, something like that. But I, I think if if there was the three mana counter your removal spell, and we can get into sort of that jockeying position, I'd be higher on this card. Don't get me wrong; I think the card is good, but yeah. I think that g- given the 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 volume of tools that Delver has access to right now in the threat slot, there it, like, it is. There is a lot. There's a lot for it to use. I think the other lot, thing, yeah. the other thing to to mention about this card is that you don't have to play blue. You know, like. This could be a card that uh, that Burn uses. This could be a card that Nate wants to use in his Mardu deck, and he's like, cast Thoughtseize, you know, like, flip this thing over, cast Thoughtseize, bolt this thing, uh, sorts the plowshares that, and swing in for, like, 10, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I see this as a card that, like, yeah, it looks blue and red, but it really is just red, and it says pay three mana and two life, because no one's paying four, four mana for this. Uh, you, know, you know what I think this is, though? Like, and why I think it's a trap? Hmm. I I think this card is just a really fancy way to print Kiln, Kiln Fiend, <laughs> and that's why I'm I'm like I mean the trample just... dude the trample is the huge thing for me like this they, is the they card... made it look like a flashy Kiln Fiend this this is a card to me that like I would have probably played over Tarmogoyf I think it's better than Tarmogoyf I'm just gonna say that right now uh, I would have played this card over Tarmogoyf uh, because Tarmogoyf it, when I was playing Rug. Tarmogoyf and Nimble Mongoose were great until you went up against a deck like Elves, right? Because Trample matters here, and I think that's the big part here, is that tra- that Trample ability is is so good. And Trample, uh, as a, like a semi-evasion kind of situation, uh, makes this card, uh, j- it just po- pops it up a, a ton in, in my book. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I if this card shows up, if people are testing it out, and I think it's interesting to look at it as not necessarily a blue card, you know, it, yeah. like no, nothing on the card actually requires blue in any meaningful way. I mean, 
paying two life is fine. I really do think that like Delver is going to try this. They're going to recognize that it's too expensive because the mana gate is way too steep. And then they're just going to move on to like the stuff that doesn't require them to invest mana because the whole function of that deck is that it gets to beat you on the fact that it's way more efficient and throwing in a three mana activated ability is just antithetical to like the, the, the inherent structure of that deck, which is why I don't think it fits. But if you're playing, you know, a more incidental, like, uh, mid-rangey game and you're going to have access to be able to transform this because you, you can transform it at instant speed. So if you are holding up interaction and they don't do anything and then you transform end step untap and then, you know, start flurrying, like that's that seems fine. But Bill. you have to get into a space where that matters first, right? <laughs> Yo, I just figured out something. You know what's really, what what's a great combo with this card? No, never mind. You can't even transform it at instant speed. It literally says activate only as a sorcery. Dude, okay. I'm fucking off this card now. I'm off no, of it. No, no, no. Well, that is not that is less good. But but you can play this with Omen Hawker. Yeah, bro. Activated sorcery speed. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I think the activated sorcery speed is rough. I didn't I didn't realize that. I still I, think I, that I, this I, might see play, but I, I I don't know. Might have to take my here, take it all back I, I, now. Um I have to look at every single so is every one of these transform abilities? They are. Every one of these uh, transform abilities activated as a sorcery. That's I, like something that I just overlooked when looking yeah, at the spoilers. No. I was like, it's well, so let's talk about that. captive yeah. weird, I guess. <laughs> we're off it. Turn the show off. It's over. The whole thing is uh, done. <laughs> we're, we're, we're definitely off captive weird. There's too yeah, many one, one mana. So, so. So Captive Weird is a it's a one mana one three defender with three and a Phyrexian red uh, to transform it, but you can only do it as a sorcery. And then on the backside, uh, it says whenever you whenever it transforms or whenever you uh, you exile the top card of your library until the end of turn, you can play that card. So it transforms and theoretically draws a card and flips into a three three on the ground. It's unplayable. Yeah, uh, I think something something that should be mentioned about about this though, Phil, uh, on the transform end. Uh, even as a sorcery for like spear, which could be playable, um, is it it will have haste. It will like be able to attack. Yeah, totally. But like, so there's that. Like, we know Delver can the attack notion... the turn it flips over. Obviously, just I just yeah, want to mention that you're, that. that you're investing this kind of mana to not to uh, to a not significantly impact the board with yeah. a, a permanent that your opponent can't beat or effectively ending the game. Yeah, we can uh, that, get rid of captive weird. <laughs> like it, it's just one of the, like I, I I always it always feels bad when we do spoilers because I know I said this on the last video too when we were covering the first part of the spoilers like spoiler season now like the bar because of the power creep from like War of the Spark Fire design into the Modern Horizon sets the bar now is so so steep by comparison yeah. that like stuff that like activated abilities like this just inherently are locked out. Like you yes. will just never get the format is way too efficient. Like we were literally having the conversation before we hopped on this call. We were like, is ancient tomb actually just the de facto best card in the format now more so than brainstorm? Like yeah. be because of all of the, the, the cheap one pit three, three drop tools with busted abilities that ancient tomb has gotten over the past X, X number of years. It's like, well, if that's, if, if that's the trajectory of where the format is going, you can't be like, if, if the format is, if, or if the top decks in the format, the, the, the tier ones of the format, are just going to skip over the first two turns of development. When are you going to have time to do to spend five mana to get your three three double prowess? It's a valid point. Uh, all right, next up, let's talk about Doomscar Warrior. Doomscar Warrior is a four mana that's two and two green, four three with backup one and trample, and it says whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player or a battle. Look at that many cards from the top of your library. 
you may reveal a creature or land card from among them and put them put into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom in a random order. So I I mentioned this card. This is a this is I, I think just playable if we're looking at those green initiative decks. I think that I think that uh, the green initiative decks being able to give another creature this ability with backup because it's going to get all that like that draw a card thing and the trample onto one of your other creatures that's already in play, which gives this sort of a pseudo haste kind of situation and a plus one counter. Uh, I think in those like ultra fair sort of fair initiative decks that uh, that are green and are including uh, the the green adventurer guy, uh, I think this might might be able to see play in, in a deck like that. Hey, I'm gonna sell you on this card. Okay, do you like Winota? Do you I, want Winota like at it. home? Yeah, dude, this is Winota. Winota at home. <laughs> yeah, Winota, right. Winota is is not only like it's four mana for a four four instead of a four three, so it's not gonna die to bolt because True. the backup ability is a trigger, so it can die to bolt on this with with the trigger on the stack. Hey, hey, but, but if they do Winota, it, the other thing gets the gets the uh, thing. Winota ends the game on the spot because it not only lets you look at the what is this the top. Sec six, top sex, yeah. Just come at it. Look at that. Okay, so it deals equal to its power. So it's like yeah. likely going to look at less than the top six, and it puts it into your hand. Doesn't cheat it into play. This is this is where the power creep went, man. Yeah, power yeah. creep went to Winota. Uh, all right. Uh, let's talk about Grafted Butcher. Grafted Butcher is a Phyrexian Samurai two two for two mana, one in a black, uh, and it says when it enters the battlefield. Phyrexians you control gain menace until end of turn. Other Phyrexians get plus one, plus one. And uh, for three and a black, you can sacrifice an artifact or creature and return this from the graveyard to the battlefield and activate only as a sorcery. I mentioned this card because we're so close. We're so close to seeing, like, in fact, grab black as like another color maybe. And, and it's already got white. Like white and in fact is like almost like definitely a thing now, but like there are so many possible black infect cards that are like just on the edge of playable, and we need like one or two more good infect cards. And all infect creatures are Phyrexian for the most part. And uh getting like a lord for your guys is something that like it, it's it's just there. It's I don't think it's there yet, but it's something we should keep an eye on. Yeah, you know what it needs? It needs Infector Toxic. It does. That, it does need there, Infector Toxic. This is there, there's this, just like that that deck is way too tight, right? Like there's yeah, no way. Oh, they, yeah. they have to I, I wouldn't add I wouldn't add black just for this card, but I, I always like whenever there's something that like two years from now we might be looking at this card being like, This is this is the card that like started that trend and now people are playing black uh you know, black in their infect deck. So I, I think I, that there is worth talking. There, about. There's something to to be said that uh, first off, let me apologize that I uh, always sound negative on these spoilers. But the the I think like once you reach back into Legacy and Vintage, the most of the aggro decks, like if you were to think of like what does an aggro deck actually look like, you either need something that is objectively like and objectively heinously broken. Look at Initiative, mm -hmm. or an aggro deck is indistinguishable from combo. Because the format is so fast that play, just playing a creatures and attacking without something that is an inherent design mistake, a la initiative, or you can't really tell the difference between it being an aggro deck or a combo deck. Like, look at Hogak. Well, look at then look, look at Merfolk with its uh, paradigm shift situation. That well, 
it's like that's the thing like merfolk <laughs> as you know it as an aggro deck doesn't exist if you see yeah. it it's tier six at your fnm right yeah. same with with any other like just straight aggro deck like i want to be creatures and i want to be turning them sideways if it doesn't have an inherent combo finish that can kill them in the first two or three turns uh or um does something that is like prisony broken and the only real example that i can think of right now is initiative but outside of that a, a straight up like zoo-ish type lordish aggro deck can't exist in the format where everything kills you well before you would ever get yeah. to close the door yeah uh and that's so like and you you've seen that like merfolk is a good example of something that has like succumbed to this really steeply where like over time but there used to be an aggro deck, right? That was Aether Vile and, and Wasteland with Dazes. And then they were like, well, we have to become a Chalice deck because we have to prison our opponents yep. in order to attack them, to, to save enough time to attack them. And then they moved over and became Paradigm Shift Thassa's Oracle because they were like, well, we have to become a combo deck because we're too slow as an aggro deck. Yeah, it's wild how it went from being like, a basically like Delver deck style. Like I used to play it with Dazes and like standstills and stuff you try and like wasteland days your opponent out of the game then it moved to chalice and now it's like a combo deck it went from yeah it went from tempo to aggro prison to combo yeah like that's the wild. trajectory it's wild it's wild that, that like the the changes that that deck has made over the years i mean the 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 tools are the same in that deck the like main like eight to ten uh merfolk that you choose are basically the same it's just four guys give all the guys plus one plus one and make it so that uh fair blue decks lose to them you know but even when it got hex catcher right like the yeah. best lore that turns everything into a curse catcher which is theoretically make you stronger against combo deck because now you have as many curse you have eight curse catchers like initially yeah. and as many as you want plus they got another pseudo wasteland effect in tide shaper that also hoses like urza saga and such and it's just not even close yeah. It's just not even remotely close. And like, I think that's a representative if you were to look at any combo deck and how to actually make them worthwhile in the format nowadays with how fast it is. Like the, traje the, the, the trajectory that Merfolk has gone is pretty uh, representative of like how much like more power crept the format has gotten. Yeah. But that's like, that's been vintage for a long time, right? Like if you look at vintage aggro decks, they're like bizarre decks. In which case they are indistinguishable from from combo, right? Because yeah. you're like, I'm I'm going to be on the play. I'm a graveyard a graveyard esque based thing, and I'm going to put you on a, a turn two, two turn clock before you take a game action. Go. Yeah. Okay. Right? So let's talk about Guardian of Girapur. Uh That is a three mana three three flyer for two and a white, and it is a e angel. And it says, when this enters the battlefield, exile up to one other target creature artifact you control, return to the battlefield under the owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. This is just another Flicker Wisp, and I, I only mention it because, it's you know, Death and Taxes exists, and maybe maybe they want uh, a guy with a, a three-butt instead of a one-butt. Dude, and it's a single pip. And it is a single pip. Yeah. Like so that gets... Single that, so matters. in situations where you're playing Wasteland, Urza Saga... And uh, and uh, port. port. This is a card you could actually put into play instead of just flashing it in off of a vial. Also, like a, a, a three three, like a, a three butt is a lot bigger than a one butt. The trade off is that this only flickers artifacts or creatures, not anything. Yeah. So, like I know, uh, oftentimes, uh, uh, what you call it, a uh, flicker wisp would like flicker a land. 
uh, or, you know, you could like flicker your own land to like reset it. So you'd be able to hold up mana. So it's not necessarily as versatile, but it's a lot easier on the mana and uh, it having a three, butt is a pretty big deal. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think this is like, I, I don't know if they're going to, if, if uh, DNT would ever want this because it doesn't a three, butt instead of a two, butt for recruiter is a big deal. Right. Yeah. And if you're not looking for your fifth flicker wisp, but then you're probably not moving into this, but it's close. Yeah. It feels pretty good. Like if you, if, if one of us picked this as like the likeliest to see play, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been shocked. I think after, after finding out about the sorcery thing, I think this next card is the card that I, I would think would see play. Uh, and that is hoarding brood, hoarding brood Lord. Uh, that is a eight mana, Seven six dragon with convoke and flying, and it says when hoarding hoarding broodlord enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a card, exile it face down, then shuffle for as long as that card remains exiled. You can play it. Spells you cast from exile have convoke. So, do you know where I'm seeing this? Uh, where are you seeing this, Zach? I'm seeing this in Reanimator. So you reanimate this guy, you go and get a reanimate, and then you cast reanimate again on another creature. Oh, that's interesting. Using that's the interesting. Broodlord as your as your black mana. That's interesting. That's right? actually so really interesting, Zach. If you have Zach, if you have like Zach, two creatures. Zach, you hold on one second. You shut your mouth for a second. Zach, that's really interesting, Zach. I'm actually I'm I'm intrigued, Zach. <laughs> I'm intrigued. You've intrigued me. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. Cons consider me intrigued. Yeah, yeah. So this this is uh I I see this as like uh like one of you know if you're in a situation where you want this and Grizzlebrand or something like that uh you can entomb for this as like a toolbox card and be like boom boom I got this I got uh attracts it in play as well and like now you have two big dudes and your opponent has to deal with two big dudes uh the only deck that I know that can deal with two big dudes like that is uh miracles and and like Phil no one plays miracles anymore. Uh, you're you're making me now think of. I mean, I, the thing is, like, if you are reanimating, you're probably winning the game, right? Sure. Sure. Like, if you've cast reanimate, you've probably already won. But I'm I'm not opposed to the idea now that you're you're talking about how the the hoarding broodlord as its own mana that you could like, if this somehow gets into play, you could also just use it to cast a thought seize right away to like ensure that you untap or stop your opponent from comboing yep. out. That's also pretty interesting. Uh, man, I really wish Grizzlebrand was banned so like that we could have these interesting conversations. <laughs> I, like, I mean, I think that this, like, this card is so cool. A, like you're we right. Said that, so cool. We said that. Yo, we said that about Atraxa, and Atraxa seeing almost as much play as Grizzlebrand nowadays. It's it, it's seeing play, but it's still like like it, it's seeing play in addition to Grizzlebrand. It's not yeah. taking Grizzlebrand's spot. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. It's like, but I think it's like, I think that's why it's important in... that we look at these big creatures occasionally and be like, you know, this and and yeah, Grizzlebrand exists, but this. Because occasionally, like, you know, something eventually is going to be better than Grizzlebrand. We're almost, we got very close, you know? I don't think Hordling Broodlord is better than Grizzlebrand. I wouldn't put four of them in my deck. But uh, a 7-6 flyer is nothing to scoff at. And uh, and the fact that it, uh, you know, like, you're never going to convoke this out in the deck that you're playing it in, obviously. <laughs> but uh, being able to use it as its own black mana or... You know, if you do happen to have out another creature and be like, okay, cool, I'm going to get my, get like, you know, uh, animate dead. And so I don't lose the life and we'll boop, boop, you know, do that. 
uh, I, I just think that that's it, it's an interesting space for for you to be in uh, in that deck, and I think that uh, yeah, like yeah. you said, the Thoughtseize situation that's that's the the utility that this card offers is is pretty interesting. You're making me think now, like now that I'm intrigued by this card, uh, I, I think like Grizzlebrand is just going to push it out, but I'm intrigued by it, and I'm more intrigued now to think of spells you cast from exile have convoke. If there's any other cards that just like in incidentally exile that you would then be able to turbo combo, you know, I'm thinking stuff like food chain, but I, I, I don't know enough food chain to know that something like this would ever be relevant, but uh, it, it it's, it's pretty, I'm, I, I wasn't looking at this card at all. And now that you've mentioned it now, I'm like interested in yeah. exploring it. Yeah I'm, yeah. I'm intrigued. All right. I just want to bring up this card because it makes me sad. Um, Icker shade is a three mana Phyrexian shade. Uh, two, three, and it says the beginning of your instep, an artifact or creature was put into the graveyard from the battlefield this turn. Put a plus one, plus one on Icker Shade. Phil, do you know why I'm talking about this card? Why I'm sad? Pray about tell this Zach, card? Why, why, why are you sad? Because it's not Ishin Shade. It could have, like, I was, I, I, I thought Ishin Shade was going to be in the set, dude. I, I was like, this is it. This is the, this is our chance. We're coming back around again. Uh, but no, uh, no, the, the corrupted Sarah Paladin. Uh, remains uh, just a shade in in Ogrotha, and we and we don't get to hear anything about him. Literally, the only remains, reason why I want to talk about that card, though, <laughs> remains MIA. I mean, at least there is the saving grace for this card in that the artwork is extremely metal. It's pretty rad. It's yeah. pretty metal. Look at him holding that holding that skull. He's straight up holding his own face. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. wild. Uh, all right, uh, so let's talk about rampaging raptor. Uh, rampaging raptor is a 4-4 four, four for 4 that has Trample and Haste, and for 2 and a red, uh, it gains plus 2, plus 0. Whenever it deals combat damage to an opponent, it deals that much damage to target Planeswalker. Uh, sorry, it deals that much damage to target Planeswalker. That player controls, or battle that player controls, or protects, sorry. Uh, so this is one of those cards that I, like, I just, it's just like Doom Doomscar Warrior, I mention it because this could be a card that you throw into uh you, you throw in as your questing beast for Would you uh, like questing beast at home? Also f this card. Like <laughs> every time they make a questing beast where they're just like, "Hey, would you like to ever make a decision? How about instead the card does everything so you never actually have to choose anything. You just do one thing and it does it all for you." I f hate cards like this. Yeah. It's I mean, just so a, dumb. This like is they're a just they're, they're, they're just so can, brain dead cards. This is a four mana card that them. could slot into a uh red prison deck if Urobras didn't exist. <laughs> even even if Rampaging set. Raptor, like let's say Rampaging Raptor is better because it's in red instead of green, so it's better than Questing Beast. Like even if that's the case of this card, this design, all of like any designer who's like, you know what? what let, let's just remove any decision. Like the most interesting thing about any part of the game is when you are put to a choice and then you have to choose and then either you are rewarded or punished for that choice. That's the most interesting part of any game that you you play in in magic and these types of cards just remove all of the i hate it dude i hate it so much it just it tilts me so much that they would look at this and go this is fun you never have to think okay okay moving yeah. on guys have we have we said the f word enough someone in the comment section let us know by we yeah. i mean phil i try not to say the f word here I i'll, say I'll, I'll label life. this one as explicit like <laughs> I say enough in real life. Raptor. <laughs> like, like all the designers that are designing the, these questing beast type cards can do better.
Right. Uh, so parental advisory on this episode. Uh, so Urbrask exists, like I was saying. Uh, and Urbrask is a four mana, four, four, for four, uh, for, uh, with four, uh, with first strike. And uh, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, it deals one damage to target opponent. Uh, and you add one, and then you can exile. You had you red. You had red. What, so, what's that? You had red. What did I say? Colorless? You said add one. Add one red. Add one red. Sorry. Uh, exile it for one red if you have cast, what, three or more sorceries uh, or instances turn. When it flips, it becomes the great work. The uh, great work uh, deals three damage tar to target opponent and each creature they control. It's a saga. So that's right? A, yeah. It's a saga. Uh, it, it, uh, that's on one. On two, it creates three treasure tokens. And on three, at the end of turn... Uh, until the end turn, you can cast instant or sorcery cards from your graveyard. If a spell would be uh, put in the graveyard this way, exile it, flip it over. And the thing is, is once you do that, you flip it over, you pay one red, and you flip it right back over again. So you can keep like chaining this. That's my only thought with this card is like it's it's interesting because it's different. Uh, I don't see this like going into Delver or anything like that. Uh, Phil, this card is thoughts? very good though. I think this card is good. I think, yeah. yeah, I mean, four mana, four, four is steep, but it it saying whenever you cast an instant in sorcery is already very reminiscent of Bergy, yep. which does see play in one deck. Uh, but the, like, Bergy having the uh, backside of being a card advantage, or card draw engine as the horn for five mana, this one for four mana, after you have cast your three spells, also, like, just does something similar when you can flip it. Uh, Rathling the table is something that that kind of deck does not have access to, yeah. right? Unless you are grape shotting them. So the fact that this one is a win condition on its own, so you wouldn't even need necessarily grape shot. You could just storm out. You wouldn't necessarily yeah. need the storm payoff card because it by itself, it just face up by itself is the grape shot, right? One for every every yep. many you have. And you don't have to flip it. Like you have the option after you cast three instances of sorceries to pay red to flip it. And you can do that. And that's relevant if you need a wrath to like, dome them or if you just want one red mana and bolt them because it deals the, the, do the that three side. damage after you after you've gone off as it were right the target opponent and each creature they control right uh and then if you're flipping it if you're getting the game where you're grinding and you flipped it like the backside just the same as the backside with any of the predators i know we talked about elishnorn last time about being possible this one is likelier because the mana gate is lower so much lower yeah. wrathing wrathing your opponent's side of the table potentially obviously really powerful black lotus on number two is obviously really powerful and then passing flames on three is obviously very powerful so all of the text on this card is very powerful shit and first strike is always a sleeper uh french vanilla ability in the format like if you have first strike on a creature especially as a four four it's very unlikely to be dying in combat like you are probably just going to be getting in like there isn't anything that is bigger than this outside of an arrow. And if we're at that point in the game, you probably have the mana to flip this and do different things anyway. So uh, this is also one of those things, like you can't flip it at instant speed. Reminder, you can only activate this at sorcery speed. So you can't like protect your, your Urbass, but it does a lot of shit. That's really powerful. Like all of the text on it is very powerful. So yeah. if it shows up, I, I, I think like of the Praetors, this is the most powerful one for Legacy at least. All right, so. we've got uh, Veldrin Thrillseeker, Phil, how do you feel about uh, playing playing uh, uh, Frexian Dreadnought again, man? You want to play Cause this card? Sacrifice it because this card is you. You, you got to try and live the dream here. Uh, for uh, three mana, you get a one-one with backup two, so it could be a three-three. That reads: 
Sacrifice this creature, it deals damage to equal to its power to a target. So you can throw a 14-14 at your opponent for two mana. Well, backup two is when this creature enters the battlefield, not when the Dreadnought enters the oh, battlefield. So, Oh, no. So you have to just, like, Lazovnot it. You got. You would have to do a lot yeah. of hoops. Yeah, there's a lot of hoops do. on this one. So, all right. We'll move yeah. on, then. Uh, we've got Atraxas Fall. Uh, Atraxas Fall says, destroy target artifact, battle, enchantment, or creature with flying. This looks like a sideboard card that might actually be able to see play if any battles, uh, like, make it. And we're going to talk about battle soon. And I think some of them could see play. Um, but if this, we get yeah. a deck that like leverages uh, battles well, uh, this could be a sideboard card that we see play. I think that like all of the battles that would see play are just abrupt decayable. So I don't think that the Atraxa... I think Atraxa's downfall totally in this case really is the fact that it's a sorcery. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, like, Prismatic rough. ending exists and prismatic ending is more efficient at a sorcery speed. Yeah. Like, yes, this can hit a creature with flying, but the only thing that this would have a window to like kill with flying that's relevant is maybe a Murktide, yeah. right? But you're committing uh, most of your turn to doing that. Like any other, anything else that it would, anything else with flying that it would want to hit at mana parity or better, it's just never actually going to have the opportunity. Like it can't destroy an arrow edge. Grizzlebrand will already have killed you. Yeah. If you're Grizzlebrand will have creatures, ways to protect itself as well. <laughs> probably. If you're, if, if, if you're playing this against the Delver creatures, you're trading down at sorcery speed. Like it's just yeah. it, it, the way that it lines up with everything in the format is too slow. Um, Lithomancer's Barrage. Uh, this spell can't be countered. Lithomancer's Barrage, Lithomatic. Sorry, Lithomatic. You know, because I don't want to screw up a made up word. Uh, Lithomantic. Looks like you did. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Lithomantic. You know, uh, you know, uh, how I was telling my, my wife last night when we were having a nice little moment on the couch how Lithomantic. Uh, the movie we were watching was. So Lithomantic. Use it in a sentence, right? Uh, so Lithomantic. So anyhow, this spell can't be countered. Uh, it deals one damage to target creature or planeswalker. It deals five damage. Instead, if that target is white or blue, I mentioned this for two reasons. One, why couldn't they just make this like seven damage so that like it could hit a Murktide most of the time? Uh, two, uh, how about like... Uh, you know, it could take out Teferi. It could take out Narset. You know, it does have it does have some utility. I don't think this card will see play because, like, the the other side of it is kind of eh. But like, if they could have just like upped this just a little bit so it could kill a Murktide Regent, which I think that would be the only reason to like play a card like this. Here's Come the on. only only space where I can see this ever seeing play because Pyroblast exists, right? Yeah. Of the course. only the only spot that I can think where the clause of a of a creature being white being relevant and this spell not being able to be countered is this can kill a seasoned dungeoneer through a chalice. Okay. Okay. I like that. That's that that that's the yeah. o- that's the one pigeonholed, like very narrow thing that if you are a red deck that struggles with chalice and needs to be able to remove a seasoned dungeoneer. This this for still one mana because it can't be countered. Can you can just kill a seasoned engineer right through a chalice? That's that's it. That's the only yeah. position that I can think of, and maybe that position is good enough. Like that might just be a spot that's good enough. So all right, Phil, we're gonna do lightning round because I know you have to leave soon. So lightning round rules are: uh, Do you think the, good enough or bad? Good enough or not? Uh, I've got okay. I've got some uh, battles here. 
Uh, we're going to go through them real fast. We have the Invasion of Azgul. Uh, it is a two mana for loyalty, siege, and uh, when it enters the battlefield, target player sacrifices a creature or planeswalker and loses one life. And then it flips to a 2-1 with Menace. At the beginning of your end step, put a plus one, plus one counter on, on Ashen Reaper, which is what this is called, uh, if a permanent was put into the graveyard from the battlefield this turn. Is a Death Rattle plus one, plus one, two mana guy good enough? No. No. Okay, moving on. We have the Invasion of Ergamon. Uh, this is a two mana, five loyalty uh, invasion that says, when it enters the battlefield, create a treasure token. Then you can discard a card from your hand if you do draw a card. And uh, it becomes a 3-4 trampler that uh, when it enters the battlefield, you can discard a card. If you do, search your library for a land or a battle, reveal it, and put it into uh, your hand, then shuffle. This is way closer. This was this is this closer, was right? A... Because of that, that like draw, it, it almost has like a thrill of possibility kind of situation going on. So if you cast it, the fact that it gives you a treasure back means that it effectively only costs one mana, so you can theoretically double spell in a turn. The other side is that it being able to loot, we've seen how powerful shit like that is in stuff like, um, what's the the Kiki Jiki enchantment? Fable of the Mirror Breaker? We've yeah. seen how just being able to like rummage, maybe set up something that you want in your yard anyway is really powerful. But the other side of it is that when this flips, uh, it lets you draw a card and discard a card. If you then loot again, you can just pick up another copy of itself and so you can start chaining copies, and yeah. that like I that mean, seems granted, like, like yeah. I I think like the big thing on battles that is like really hard to evaluate is you do have to deal five damage in order for it to flip, and then once you do, you get to like you know you in this case you get a tutor, which is really powerful. Like maybe maybe there's something there, but like I I, I don't think any of the battles are really good enough to be honest. It doesn't but say for is, a basic land either. It says for a land. So like, yeah, this is the this is the closest one because it does a bunch of inherently powerful things yeah. that like are fine at two mana. I'm gonna mention I don't I've never heard of Ergamon or Asgul before. I don't know anything about this. This place. I think the other thing is like red and green. You're in you're in colors where you're gonna need to attack. Right. Yeah. You're you're exactly. not in the you're not in the color. You're not dark ritualing. You know, like you're you're likely in a position where you were set up to try and attack these battles down, which is why it's it's it feels better to me. Invasion of Gabacon. Wow. That's like saying Gabacon. Uh, that is a two mana, three loyalty, and it says when it enters the battlefield, look at the uh, look at target player's hand, and you may exile a non-land card, and uh, and then it costs two more if he wants to recast it. Uh, and then we can flip it, and the flip says at the beginning of your instep, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature that attacked this turn. Sacrifice this. All of your creatures gain hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. I mean, we've seen how powerful PVDDR is, and that's yeah. the first ability is his ability for one cheaper. Except instead of getting a three-one flyer that's beating them down, you're just getting a battle that is then pumping your team on the backside. Is it good enough? Probably not. You're probably not going to be spending your time doing this. But in, in a way, it is a cheap white duress. I've been high on Curse of Silence recently, and yeah. it's you know similar in that vein. I think like the the because the format is so fast, these cards that like take a strip a card and tax it steeply and two mana is steep the cards that tax in you know in a world where games end so much faster than they ever did before that becomes effectively duress like a lot of the times yeah. pvddr is just a 3-1 flyer that thought seizes you or it's a time walk you know like that and that's good enough too a lot of times you know like casting I, time walk uh yeah 
in in the form of stopping your opponent's next play, you know, is is often good enough. The other side is like three loyalty is the or three defense or whatever the battles have is one of the is pretty much the lowest that any battle has across the board. So it's like this card is looking to it seems like this card is pushed on mana and defense to yeah. be competitive constructed playable so yeah. the the effects are good i just don't know if anybody's going to want to waste their time on it i don't think it's going to make it but I, I i wouldn't be shocked if these are the two battles that people test the battle uh the invasion of ixalan is a two mana that's one in a green four loyalty battle and when it enters the battlefield look at the top of your library reveal a permanent Permanent from Amrung. Look, sorry, look at the... God damn it. I'm sorry, everybody. It's sideways. Reveal a permanent card from among them and <laughs> put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. It's a two-minute cantrip that flips into a 4-3 trampler. It's the top it's five card. That's what I was trying to figure out. I, I missed it's it. It's not good enough. No, this Don't is not good enough. Don't worry about it. It's not good enough. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Invasion of Kaldish is a four loyalty for two mana. And uh, when it enters the battlefield, you get a 1-1 colorless Thopter token. And when it flips, you get a flying X-4 that is a vehicle. um, And its power is equal to the number of artifacts you control. This is a card that I looked at and I thought, maybe. No, 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 not a chance. No way. Two mana mana for your 1-1 artifacts deck. Get out of here. Two mana for your one-one flyer. That then you need you need to invest four attacking power to flip it into a vehicle that may or may not do anything. Come on. All right. Invasion of Carsis is a four mana with four loyalty that says when it enters the battlefield, it deals three damage to uh, each creature and each planeswalker. When it flips, it is a four-four with ward pay two life. Whenever you cast a spell, it deals two damage to each opponent. Four mana is just so pricey for a brotherhood so end. Yeah. When you have Brotherhood End, like, and then even if you do, you still have to, like, it's four mana, you get a Brotherhood End, that Wrath's Creatures, and then... Probably like, rash your board know, if you're attacking, <laughs> you know, like, and then, which is upsetting. That, yeah, like, like, unless you have, unless you're playing thick, I don't, I don't, I think this just doesn't line up. I don't yeah. think it's going to line it's, up. It's They're a bummer because the other side is, like, pretty good. The other side's a banger, but, like, yeah. you're just never going to get there. All right, uh, Invasion of Mercadia. This is two mana for a foil loyalty, and it says when it enters the battlefield... You may discard a card if you do draw two cards. So we already like that part for two mana, right? We do. Uh, it, when it flips, uh, you get a 3-3 three, three spell shaper that is a goblin that will create a 2-1-1 two, uh, two, one, one blue-red elemental creature tokens, and it pumps your whole team and uh, gives them haste. You know, rare, rare first time I'm pulling this one out, but Fable of the Mirror Breaker exists. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, I do like the, like the... This is a lesson on the front side is almost worth playing by itself, and that yes. that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at with that. Like I, flipping it, great, but are you really spending three mana to like get you know four damage onto the board? Probably not, because um, you've already jumped through so many hoops to just get to the point where now you can get a payoff by paying another like three mana and tapping this thing. Um, Invasion of Nukapena is uh, two mana for a four uh, loyalty siege. And when it enters the battlefield, a sacrifice an artifact or creature. When you do, exile a uh, artifact or creature an opponent controls. And when you flip it, it becomes a art- artifact equipment. Uh, and whenever the equ- creature attacks, put a plus one plus one counter on each other creature 
you control that shares a creature type with it. It costs one to equip. I don't know that like there's any black and white situation where you want this. It's a two mana thing, so I put it in there. But like, no, no, it's, yeah, there, I there, agree. There, there's there's no deck that rewards you for going wide in this format in a in a, a meaningful way. Yeah, that like you that you can use for synergy. Like if you have synergy in your deck, you're comboing. Yeah. All right, the final one, fraction, fraction, <laughs> evasion. Of Ferulia, uh, this is a four mana for uh, one green and one blue. When it enters the battlefield... For defense, for defense, not four mana. Defense. Defense, sorry, I meant defense. It's a two uh, mana battle. Yeah, two mana battle. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, scry three, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a land or a double face card, you draw a card. Uh, and then you get a... Uh, 4-4 four, four, Trample Ward 2, other transformed uh, permanents you have, can uh, you control or have Trample and Ward 2. So you can give all of your uh, battles on the board Ward 2 so that you can't target them. <laughs> and it's, Trample, it's so bad, they have Trample. It's, it's a bad cantrip, and I feel like if you're in the cantrippy decks, you're not going to be spending your time attacking. Yeah. So that, that's what I mean. Like when I was saying like, tall, the red yeah. green one, the red green one, you're you're situated in a position where you kind of are compelled to attack. That's like likely what your deck does. Yeah. Whereas if you're in these cantrippy style decks, you're 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 not meaningfully attacking this down. You know, you're you're playing a Minskin Boo or you're playing Uro, and like at that point, you have better cantrips to be playing, and you're not going to be wasting your time trying to flip this into a four four. Yeah, I think I say I say this about all all of these uh invasions all the battles is that they're only good if the front side does something that you wouldn't mind just sitting on the board and not doing anything else and if if you do decide like if the game take like having the option of like oh maybe a thing happens if my opponent ostensibly gains four life you know is is just gravy at that point um but if, if if that's not a thing for you like if you're not feeling like the front side's worth playing, probably isn't worth playing at all. Yeah, I, I, I think like that's the that's how battles work until we're proven otherwise. Yeah, I think that the the two most likely are the battle, the invasion of Ergamon and the invasion of Gobakan. I think are the, the the two reasonable ones that like are you you might see as like people experimenting with because they do have relevant effects and they're going to be in colors that want to otherwise attack them down. But beyond that, I just I, I think battles are are not going to be a mechanic that we see in legacy. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that kind of does it for, for us for the most part this week. Remember, please uh, comment below, like the video. Uh, if you've, if you've gotten uh, some value out of this, if you found anything uh, interesting here, uh, that if we you hate you questing with. beasts. Uh, yeah. If you need questing beasts, um, d- please, uh, you know, uh, hit us up in the discord. We're there. We're there constantly talking, talking to everybody and doing all that. Check out our shorts. They exist. Uh, they're just like fun moments. You get like, you know, one minute with me a day, just rambling about nonsense. Uh, and that's kind of it for us today. Uh, Phil, you're probably out next week. We might have you in. We'll see what happens. We'll see how schedules line up. Uh, if not, it'll be me and me and somebody, you know. Uh, we'll catch you guys all next week. Bye. <laughs>